0: Good morning, citizens. What's up? How are y'all doing today? Good. Man, come on. It is summer. Y'all should be. We got coffee. Like, if y'all need some coffee, get out there and get some. I am already caffeinated, well, caffeinated this morning. If you guys don't know me, my name is ZJ, and I am not the pastor here at Citizens. That title belongs to your pastor, my good friend, Adam Pickard, right? And uh, But even though I am not the pastor here, I am thrilled to have the opportunity to preach today. I am pumped to be able to open up God's Word together, to worship alongside you guys, and just to share what I believe that God would have me to share. And uh, I want you to know that, that today has been kind of marked in my calendar. Uh, I've been praying about this message for over a month, uh, because although I am not the pastor here, I am a pastor. And preaching the gospel is something that is so, so valuable to me. It is so, so important to my life, and I, it is so, so precious each and every moment that I get to get up and to share. And I just want to take a second to, to just thank Adam for not only knowing that and seeing my heart for preaching as a pastor, but for creating space for me to be able to do so here with y'all today. And um, for those of you that don't know my story uh that don't know my family story, uh, this year, 2022, it marks a decade for us in ministry. Some of y'all say, yeah, you look like it, right? <laughs> like, see the grace, right? 10 years, vocationally giving our lives to see other people's lives transformed by the power of God. 10 years of pointing them to their source. 10 years pointing them to what their soul longs for, 10 years of pointing them to their Savior. And ultimately, in that 10 years, seeing our lives change by that same power as well. Seeing our faith grow by sharing our faith with others. Seeing my trust in God just balloon every step I take with him leading. Seeing the gifts that God has placed within my life flourish as I use them for his glory. And so I've been at this for a decade. I started, or, or probably better said, we started, right? Me and my wife, Amanda, we, we started 10 years ago. Can you believe like, it's been 10 years? But we started in a church plant in the upstate of South Carolina, and I be- began as a worship pastor, and, and we were serving there and learning about church planning, and it was in that place that God called us to go and plant a church. And so we went and we planted. And, and I just want to interject for a second and, and just say, if God is speaking clearly to you today, maybe he's been speaking to you over the last few months, and you know that he's calling you to something, he's calling you out of where you're at and into something more, I just want to tell you, just do it. Like, follow him. Take that step of faith. It will be the biggest adventure of your life, your yes to God. It it will lead you on some of the scariest and most challenging steps you've ever made in your life. But I want you to know, 10 years down the road, that it's worth it. He's never left me yet. He's been there every step of the way. And when times were good, it came from him. And when times were challenging and we wanted to quit, man, he comforted us in the middle of that. And he provided in ways that I still cannot comprehend today. So if he's calling, he's faithful. So just jump. That's what we did. That's so what we did in 2014. We jumped into planting a church, trusting that God would be with us, and he was. And we planted in Gulf Church down in Jacksonville, North Carolina, with the purpose of reaching young Marines and young sailors and their families. And that is what we did. We served faithfully there for six years. We poured our lives into these young men and women, raising them up to their highest capacity in Christ, and then sending them out on mission, wherever they were called. And I could share with y'all a million lessons that season of life it taught us, but as I was preparing for today and reading the text that we're going to dive into together, it, it brought me back to a moment in the middle of that season. Anybody ever have a moment? Like, just, just a sucky time, right? Like, a rough season, maybe a bad week, but just, just a moment in life. And I just want to say, pastors get those too. Like, we're not so spiritual that we get to skip all that. We, we don't know the secret to getting through tough times quickly. We, we have moments. Amen, Adam? Amen. Right? And in 2019, I was having a moment. And I'm not going to go into too terrible of detail, but I was having some issues with some extended family, some disagreements. And any of you that have walked through that, if you want to talk after service or you want to set up a support group or group therapy, man, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that because I'm still processing like some three years down the road. But I was pastoring the best I could in this in the middle of this moment in life. And I was leading while dealing with kind of all this junk behind the scenes Man, I, I never brought it up in church. I didn't I didn't talk about it from the pulpit. This is really the first time I've ever preached about this. And and only a select group of leaders in our church knew what was going on in my life just so they could pray for me as I walked through this moment. And um in the middle of the season, I I got up one day, I went to my office, and and I opened my phone, and I see that some distant Cousins, they they took to the safety of the online comment section to just destroy me and my character. Not just like on their own pages, but, but they hit me where it hurt and they went after the church. They posted derogatory comments. They left awful reviews. They dragged me and the church that God had entrusted me to lead through the mud. And the best way that I could describe that moment was that it felt like my heart had been ripped out of my chest. I was devastated. How in the world can I continue reaching people if this is the outward perception? Our reputation as a church, it was ruined. And it seemed like, In this moment, every single thing we had done as a church for five years, investing in our community relationships, serving the poor and the needy, giving in abundance to the school where we met, it felt like everything had been erased. And now the only thing that people would see was the hate-filled words of people that didn't know me. That hadn't talked to me in years, that had never stepped foot in our community. They never saw the good we were able to do. They never saw the lives that had been changed forever by the power of God. I sat in the office and I felt defeated, unable to do anything. I I remember just staring at a wall. That's all I could do. And it was probably about an hour into into just reeling from seeing this attack against my character, unable to respond, unable to, to really wrap my head around what had happened My phone rang, and it was a young woman in our church, and her name is Brandy. She served on our worship team, and she was at work, but she felt so compelled to call that she she took a a moment to step out and to call me, and she says, I don't know if you saw, there is just a bunch of mean things that people have written about you, and they're saying about you online. She says, and I don't know who those people are, but I know you. And what they are saying does not match what I know about you. So just know, I got your back. And I just wanted you to know that. And so we hung up, and, and that lifted my spirits a little bit. But about an hour later, I kind of composed myself, and, and I opened up my phone to, to respond in the best way that I knew how to, to all of these attacks, in the most gracious and loving way. And when I opened my phone, I see a notification. And it was Brandy. You see, that phone call wasn't the only thing she did that day she took it upon herself to go to every one of those comments and defend me and our church. For every hate-filled drag on me, she responded with the truth of the love that we showed as a community. With every word of condemnation, she rebuked with the truth of the goodness we exemplified as a church. For every lie, she responded with truth. I want you to know today, I will never forget that moment. I, I remember seeing, uh, she, she followed up just, a, just an awful review with just the sweetest, most kind words. And reading it, I just sat there and wept. That someone would show up when I didn't have the strength to fight the battle on my own and take up arms and fight for me. And I will forever be grateful for Brandy. Have you ever had someone fight for you? Have you ever had someone fight for you? Like when your ability was gone, they showed up ready to throw down. Maybe somebody stood up to your bully and said, man, no more. Maybe someone showed up in a tough financial season with resources that you didn't have, but you desperately needed, and they said, here, it's yours. Don't worry about paying me back. Maybe somebody showed up in a depressed state and said, I am not leaving your side. We're going to walk through this together. And they fought for you to make your way out of the darkness and back into the light. Do you have that person? Can you mark them in your mind right now? I I want you to just take a second and thank God for them. Because every good and perfect thing comes from him. And he placed that person in your life, in your path for goodness. But maybe you're here today and, and you're in a different boat. Maybe you faced those seasons where you couldn't fight for yourself and and you just had to weather that storm. You just had to take the beatings and and you came out the other side broken. Church, I want you to know today that there will be times in your life, Christian or not, no one's immune, where you face moments like these and in the middle of that moment, you, you, you will realize, man, I don't have the strength to fight through it. You can't make it through on your own. And someone either has to show up for you or you just have to weather that beating. You see, in our most desperate moments, in our most desperate moments, our hearts long for someone to fight for us, to be there for us in the struggle, to walk with us out of whatever storm we're facing. You need someone to fight. I need someone to fight. We all need someone in our corner as we walk, as we try to navigate our way through life and its moments. And that's what today's message is about. It's about fighting. I don't know if I've ever seen someone do this here, but I want you to turn to your neighbor real quick. Uh, We're in the South, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, you ready to fight? There we go. There we go. Y'all getting it. So if you have your Bibles today, I want you to go ahead and open them up. Open them up. I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts 15. Acts 15, we're starting in verse 1. And and I just want to say, if you do not have a Bible today, do not leave here without one. Uh, Grab a volunteer on your way out. Stop at the tent and say, I want a Bible. We'll give you one absolutely free. No questions asked. No strings attached. If not, uh, if you don't have that right now, you can follow up here on the screen. Acts 15. And while you're getting there, uh, if you don't know, Citizens has been in a month's long series looking at the book of Acts, and all along we have been discovering together how God uh, showed up in power through his Holy Spirit, and he used regular men and women to bring the good news of the gospel to the world around them. And uh, I don't have time this morning to fully recap the events of Acts to to this point, but I can do my best to give you some context to what we're about to dive into, because the last time we opened up scripture together, we were following the stories of two men. One was this guy named Paul right? And who at one point in time, he was this, this Jewish zealot. He was infamous, and his life mission before he came to know Jesus was to persecute or to harass and to even kill Christians. That was what his life was about. That's what he did. That's what he was known for. And then one day, Paul had this encounter with God. God shows up, and he transforms his life forever. And from that encounter, God just doesn't tell Paul, to, man, hey, knock it off. Hey, stop killing Christians. Man, he sends Paul to join them, to proclaim the message that he tried to extinguish. And it's in the wake of this miraculous life transformation, Barnabas, he he joins Paul, and they go into the world preaching the gospel to both Jews and to Gentiles, which is huge, because before this moment, Gentiles, man, or or non-Jews, they were seen as about just as far away from God as you could possibly be. They were as far away as you could get. And last week, when we left off, uh, Paul and Barnabas, they were in the city of Antioch preaching. And that's kind of where we're going to pick up our passage today. They're still in Antioch preaching, teaching, and encouraging believers. So Acts 15, starting in verse 1, it says this. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some of the local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. And so let's pause here because... Really, in these first two verses, it sets up the truth that we're going to see walked out through the rest of the chapter. It says, Paul and Barnabas, they were in Antioch, right? And then some men from Judea, most likely meaning Jewish believers, they arrived teaching this this truth that they, they believed, right? Saying, you must be circumcised in order to be saved. Say, ZJ, why are you teaching on circumcision today? I don't know. That's what the Bible says. But just to be honest for a moment, right? This message wouldn't have been a huge deal for Jewish believers. And they have been circumcised since they were days old. They would have heard it and been like, like, check, I'm good, right? But for the Gentiles, this was big. And probably in this moment, like, we're honest, they would have been like, like, excuse me, like, right, like, what'd you say? You want to repeat that again? Man, can I get an amen? Like, if I preach that this morning, y'all know some of y'all would walk out. Never come back, man. These citizens. They're weird. The Gentiles are probably like, man, this isn't what we signed up for. We repented. We've turned from our old ways of living. Our families have disowned us because of our choice to follow Jesus. We have given our lives to this community. Man, they are our family now. We've been serving and loving the poor. We've even seen the Holy Spirit show up in our lives as the evidence that God is with us. And now you're saying all of it is invalid because of a minor surgery. They were saying you can't be saved. You. You can't have the Holy Spirit working in you. You can't have experienced that life change that you claim unless that part of you has been physically cut off, which, just let me say, flies in the face of Scripture. You see, it's never been about the physical nature of ourselves, but it's always been about a heart condition. Physical circumcision represented a heart posture that the God is my God. And just so you know, God is so much more interested in your heart than what's on the outside of you. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance. But the Lord looks where? At the heart. It didn't matter that these Gentiles weren't circumcised physically. Their hearts were in line with God. They were filled with with his spirit. They were following the model of Christ. But they were still being attacked. Because in the eyes of these teachers from Judea, these Gentiles, man, they were still as far away from God as they were before. And they had to do something in order to get closer, to be more like them because, of course, man, they were close to God. How puffed up a belief. And it's in this moment that these Gentiles were probably thrust into one of these life moments. Like the, the rug was pulled out from under them. They most likely felt shell-shocked. They had been devoted followers of Christ, seeing God use them for his purposes in the world. And now they had these men saying, man, it, it's all nothing because you're not circumcised. And honestly, in this moment, they probably, some probably consider quitting going back to their old life, unsure of what next step they should take, their lives shaken, feeling just as far away from their community, just as separate as these teachers were claiming they were. It's in the middle of this moment that Scripture says. But Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them and argued vehemently. I like to think when I picture the scene in my mind that they they got a little bit loud, they got a little bit animated, they got a little bit maybe violent because that's what I would have done. And they began to fight for the far away. They began to fight for those the church wanted to push away with rules. They, They fought for these new believers who were shaken by this unexpected and unwarranted attack. And I want you to know today, church, that our call as believers is not to divide the people that walk through these doors each week as righteous or not. Our call is not to put more rules on people that they must follow in order to be loved by God. Our call is not to have theological correctness as the most important thing to us. And If you don't agree, you can just go, but our call should be and will always be to fight for the far away. If you don't get anything else out of today's message, I want you to get that. Like I want you to claim it as yours today. My call is to fight for the far away. It's my call. It is our call collectively, and it's rooted in the truth that we fight because while we were far away, Jesus fought for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. At the right time, while we were powerless to save ourselves, he died for us sinners. And while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, brought back home from our far away state. We fight for others now because Jesus fought for us first. And Jesus, he gives us a glimpse, glimpse of what this looks like. And, in Luke 15, he tells a story about the kingdom of God. And he says, it's like a man who, with two sons. And the youngest says to his dad, he says, give me your inheritance, meaning that his dad was just as good as dead to him. And this kid, he takes the money, and he goes, and he wastes it all. He blows it. And he ends up feeding pigs for a living. And, and really, I say a living, but, but in, in the context of Scripture He really didn't make enough to live because as he was feeding, he he saw himself craving the slop that he fed the pigs. And so he makes up this plan. He says, I'm going to return to my family, but I'm not going to return as family. No, I'm too bad for that. I've done too much for that. I'm going to return as a servant. I'm going to return separated. I'm going to return far away from the place that I once held. But look at verse 20. It says this, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, while he was still far away, his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him, and he kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. You see, the father came running, fighting the perception of the world around him that said he was undignified for running after a son that had abandoned him fighting through the pain of joints and muscles that most likely likely had not ran in a very long time, fighting through the tears to keep his focus on his son that was still a long way off, fighting for the son that was far away. And you see, the church doesn't need a people that push them away with rules, but instead they need a people that will fight for them to stay the course and to take it a step further the world around us does not need a church that say you have to do this or that to belong with us. But they need a church that will run after them and lead them home while they're still a long way off. We've got to fight for them. While they're still far away, while they're on the fence, when they face doubts that have the capacity to push them away, when they encounter false teachings that tell them they aren't desperately loved by a God that loves them so much, he sent his son to die on a cross for them. We've got to fight for those that think they have to do something in order to earn the love of their father. Paul and Barnabas, they said, enough! You're wrong. These Gentiles are loved. They are cherished. They are chosen just as much as you are. But I want you to know, they did not just leave it at their rebuke of these teachers. Their defense wasn't just in word alone, but they, but they acted. It says they went to Jerusalem to get an answer from the apostles. The ones that Jesus walked his life alongside. And so let's continue reading what happens, verse 3, Acts 15. He sent the delegates to Jerusalem and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles too were being converted. You see, everybody else was happy. Next verse. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Paul, uh, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and the elders. They reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted that the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. You see, they were still identifying as Pharisees. And so the apostles and elders, they met together to resolve this issue at the meeting after a long discussion. Where am I at? Peter stood up. And address them as followers, as follows. Brothers, you all know that God has chosen me from, from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he's, he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did us. He made no distinction, hear that church, between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? Peter says humanity could not live up to the law. That is the point. We are powerless to save ourselves by our deeds. So why in the world are you putting these rules on them? Because it's not rules that saves us. And he reveals what does in verse 11. We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. And when they had finished, James stood up and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter's told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of the Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. He says, this should not be a surprise. You know the scripture. And he quotes the Old Testament. Afterward, I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles. All those I have called to be mine, the Lord has spoken. He who made these things known so long ago. Verse 19, and so my judgment, this is James speaking, is that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. How many times have we complicated Christianity? How many times have we pushed people away based on rules, based on traditions, based on our preferences, based on theology? How many times have we let people walk away because we stayed silent, afraid to step up and fight for them that they might stay the course? When in reality, we should be fighting like hell for people to know that they are loved with the greatest love in this universe. That they are accepted home when they're still covered in the stench of the pig pen. That they are still sons and daughters no matter how far they have roamed. They need to know that we are for them church we fight for the far away and so my question for you today is are you a fighter are you a fighter when i was younger the question was are you a lover or a fighter like those things are diametrically opposed realities right But now on this side of a decade of ministry, on this side of fatherhood, on this side of graying hair, I'd say today to love is to fight. If you love, you gotta fight. And so are you a fighter? Are you a fighter? And if you are, good. Keep fighting. Keep fighting for those that are far away. But but more likely, if you're in here today, Fighting is this thing that we almost have to force ourselves to do. We don't naturally tend to want to show up and to have someone's back. See, we have to start training. We have to get ourselves in that mindset. And this week, for the fighters that are in here and for those who need to work on their fighting, I I just want to give you three areas where you can focus your fight, where you can build up some endurance. Endurance where you can understand what it means to fight. Three areas you can start fighting this week. Three places you can focus your fight so the people around you know that you are for them, that they are loved. So three places. Number one, number one, fight for your pastor. Adam, can I get an amen? (laughs) Uh, I I didn't give Adam any heads up that I was gonna be talking about this point today. In fact, he didn't know this. was a point in my message till last night when I sent him my notes. And uh, even then, I'm not really sure if you knew kind of what I'm going to be talking about in the in the context that I'm talking. Um, a lot of the reason that I am here at Citizens in this season of life is because that I was a 28-year-old church planner at one time. And in a lot of ways, I was alone through some really tough moments in ministry. And I did not want a pastor to fall away to quit to be discouraged whatever it is because of the hardships of ministry i've been there man pastoring is hard and when he called me up i i resolved in my mind i said i'm going to i'm going to be the person that i wish i had in my times of struggle i'm here fighting for him and i want you to to, to just invite you to do the same he needs to know that there's a people that have his back as he walks out this calling to pastor this church. This week, man, fight for him. Tell the world around you that you're in his corner. You see, I was attacked in in, in the review section, the comment section of of, of our church, and that, that broke me. I want to invite you to blow up the res- review section this week on Citizens Church, wherever it is. Brag about how God has moved in your life because of obedience to plant this church and encourage him publicly and check on him privately. Fight for him so that he can continue fighting for others to know the love of Jesus here in Kernersville. Amen? So so fight for your pastor, number one. Number two, fight for your family. Fight for your family. The first place and the first relationships that we are invited to steward well is our, is our relationships and our families. Fight for them to know that you love them, that you're in their corner. When I want to ask, do, does your husband know that you love them, that you're in their corner? Does your wife know that you won't abandon her in her times of trouble, that you're just as much in love with her today as you were when you got married? Do your kids know the grace of God that they will experience first from you, before they ever experience from God? Whenever they make mistakes? Can they see the forgiveness from their father or their mother before they ever see it from their heavenly father? Fight for them. Fight for your family. Keep running after them. Pursue them. Fight, because to love is to fight. So fight for your pastor. Fight for your family. And then number three, fight for community. Fight for community. And I just want to say that this is twofold. This point kills two birds with one stone. First, for those that God has surrounded you with in this season of life, fight for them. Whatever they are facing right now, fight for them. Fight for their marriage to stay together if they're facing a tough time. Fight for their faith to remain in the midst of trying times. Fight for them to make it through bouts of anxiety and depression. Fight for them so they don't fall away. But in another way, fight. Fighting for community means fight the natural urge to move away from community when you face tough times. Fight to stay connected so that they can fight for you when you can't fight for yourself. Fight your schedule so that you can make it a small group and strengthen those bonds. Fight through the mindset that you need a break whenever things get hard. Fight the urge to bail when you're overwhelmed. I want you to hear me today, church. Isolation is a killer. Isolation is a killer. In fact, the only time Jesus was ever tempted was when he was alone. Isolation will push you away, so fight. The reason that Paul and Barnabas were able to step up in this moment and fight for these believers is that they were right there in community with them, living and ministering alongside them, doing life with them, and seeing God move amongst the Gentiles. You are created to exist within community, and you need them just as much as they need you. When you need someone to fight for you and when you need to fight for them, fight for community. Fight for your family and fight for your pastor. Church, it's time to fight. It's time to fight. You've been saved. You've been rescued. You've been redeemed. Not so that you can sit idly by and passively participate in cultural Christianity. But you are here for a purpose. To help lead the far away back home. To love them into a better moment. And to fight for their best future. Start today. Fight for Adam. Fight for your family. Fight for your community. Get your reps up. Build your endurance. Know what it's like to fight. But do not stop there. Pray to God and ask, who is far away? Who have you placed in my life that is so far from you that I can step up and fight for them to come back home? Because I want you to hear me today. You're not just a fighter. But you fight for the far away. For sons and daughters that find themselves so far from home. For those who have lost their way and are just wandering through this life. And for those the church has pushed away with their rules and traditions. You fight for them. And so here we are, God. Send us. Not just to fight another pointless fight over theological correctness or over our traditions or our preferences but for the far away God send us to fight to see uh, for them to see your love for them to know that you are for them and for them to make their way back home in you amen